Good evening, and welcome to the Watch Along Guide for Progressively Horrified, episode number 71. Here's some things you might want to know before you watch the movie or listen to the episode. This week, we are discussing Eve's Bayou. It is directed by Cassie Lemons and written by Cassie Lemons. Our hosts rank this movie as existentially disconcerting. It doesn't include a great deal of jumps, scares, or other sorts of things you might expect from horror movies, but will definitely affect you emotionally. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include sexual assault, gaslighting, murder, misogyny, child abuse, alcohol abuse, guns, and snakes. After the music, we will talk about the movie in full, so expect spoilers. And while you're here, if you can, stop by our Patreon at progressivelyhorrified.patreon.com. You'll get extra episodes, all episodes a week early, and most importantly, you'll get to help us keep the lights on, and we'd really appreciate that. Now, let's get to the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about Eve's Bayou. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all of your favorite movies. It's co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Can I interest our audience in this mid-century period peace family drama if I tell them it stars Nick Fury, Black Canary, part of the Shazam family, and we got Ben Yorick from Daredevil guest starring? Strong uh, MCU ties here and we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media it's co-host and comics artist emily martin how are you tonight emily i'm waiting to see if the chocolate covered bees will turn me into bees (laughs) but um so far i'm (laughs) don't worry i'm fine all right i'm just a big foley great foley work you're doing there thank you (laughs) Emily Press. turning into bees feels like a sequel to our Devil Man episodes. <laughs> I've been bees this whole time. The <laughs> secret captain. Um, <laughs> or the sequel to Annihilation. And our special guest tonight, uh, one of our favorite comic writers, the all around awesome Vita Ayala. Welcome back, Vita. Thank you so much. I got nothing clever. Uh, not not for this one. This is, I, I can't, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You could be cool. bees with me. I could be bees with you. I think yep. that like, for the sake of this movie, I'd probably have to be a snake. <laughs> oh, that's cool. My big takeaway from this movie is that watching it while it's about like 15 degrees in New York, man, could I go for a Louisiana summer right about now? <laughs> you say that now. Yeah, between this and Blood Runs Down, which we watched a couple weeks ago, it's just everything is so Louisiana. A little bit about it before we jump in. It is written and directed by Cassie Lemons. Uh, who we saw on the other side of the camera in uh, in Candyman. But it stars a murderer's row of actors and actresses. We got Samuel L. Jackson. We got Journey Smollett, Megan Good, Lynn Whitfield, Debbie Morgan, Jake Smollett, Diane Carroll, Vondi Curtis-Hall, Redford Marsalis. Like, it's just a, it's an incredible group of folks in this. I don't know how, uh, what is a relatively indie movie managed to afford this cast? I can only imagine that Cassie Lemons must have, like, called in some favors and people just must liked the script that much that they they went in you for come it. through for family this yeah. movie yeah. 
was absolutely a box office hit for its budget, given that it made a little under $15 million on a $3 million budget. Wow. So yeah, not like a smash hit, but an absolute moneymaker success. And, it's a fantastic yeah. movie too. I mean, we'll get into it, but it's, oh, it's so good. And yeah, it's so I mean, clean and so tight. Yeah. <laughs> it's Cassie Lemon's uh, first movie that she directed, but she would go on to do Caveman's Valentine, Talk to Me, Black Nativity, and uh, most recently Harriet in 2019. I think the, the whole movie starts with an introduction to the Batiste family and where they live, Eve's Bayou. We get a bit from the narrator, who is an older Eve. I think they, they really set the scene pretty interestingly with, with this. Uh, she starts off saying, Memory is a selection of images, some elusive, others imprinted indelibly on the brain. The summer I killed my father, I was 10 years old. My brother Poe was nine and my sister Cecily had just turned 14. The town we lived in is named after a slave. It was said that the general John Paul Batiste was stricken with cholera. His life was saved by a powerful medicine of an African slave woman named Eve. In return for his life, he freed her and gave her this piece of land by the bayou. Perhaps in gratitude, she bore him 16 children. We are the descendants of Eve and John Paul Baptiste. I was named for her. Uh, that's a lot to start a movie. Perhaps in, yeah. perhaps I don't in mean, gratitude is a way to say that. Yeah, I don't mean to judge anyone's family planning choices, but uh, 16 is a lot. I think that beyond being such a strong opening speech, right? Like that, the, the word choice and like perhaps in gratitude, this former slave did this for this man. Um, I think it's already telling you that there's a lot to this family that is not what it seems. And also probably people are not talking about what's actually yeah. going on. Absolutely. This, this seems Absolutely. like a family that's uh, paper wants to paper over some complicated stuff. Yeah, they could so, end it with guys. It's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it's real complicated. I mean, the understatement of the fucking century. That Eve had that there were some twins and triplets in those sixteen, because otherwise that's just what that that's just like fifteen, like fourteen, fifteen years of nonstop pregnant. Like that's a lot. This <laughs> yes. movie yeah. is absolutely dealing with class and yes. what expectations and privileges and are conferred on this upper class family in this community. I mean, it, it's dealing with class. It's yeah. dealing with with sex roles, right? Like with, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. quote unquote men and women, and it's dealing with mental illness, yeah. as they call it. But like, there, it's not mental illness. She's just right. She's just like yeah. an actual psychic. Yeah. Which fair enough. Well, and there's trauma as well. There's there's um... so much trauma. Yeah, so much. Moselle dealing with just a whole lot of trauma. What was interesting to me was the ways that. Moselle and Lewis as siblings are similar to each other and their flaws manifest similarly and yet the different ways that that same flaw manifests because of the gender roles conferred on them like in this community yeah that yeah. and also too like where they differ right is that he has everything he could ever want yeah and he squanders it and she desperately wants two things right she wants love and she would like family and she can't have those things for whatever reason and so she's like she kind of takes his family (laughs) she's like and they're mine now yeah Yeah. 
I mean, like, the said she she makes the argument that she had those things and has already lost them, and that you know she is she is now doomed to continue losing them. Like she one... had a man, she had a man who she was married to, who she loved, and a man that she wasn't married to that she uh, loved in a different way. And when it came down to it, they were facing off, and she was like, "Actually, I think I do love the man I'm married to." And then uh, the other guy killed her husband. Which is one of the many complicated things about Moselle. I mean, let's talk yes. a little bit about the family and who's who here, because it starts off yeah. with this uh, the party scene at their house. Because um, we meet Eve, who is the the narrator and the main character of the story, young ten year old girl played by Journey Smollett, uh, who is you know obviously very young in this as well. Um, Big middle child energy. Oh my god! They set up the family dynamics perfectly in that scene, like yeah. perfectly. Joyce really feels like a child. Child, like she does not have a full understanding of what she sees. She is like reliant on adults. Like she can be a brat. She can throw tantrums. Again, Joyce Mall just does a really good job of being a child actor, acting like a believable child. Also, much like a child, especially a 10-year-old child, she knows more than she lets on. She understands things intuitively, but is at this point where the realities of adult life are starting to yeah, creep force their way her real life. Yeah. Well, um, she also, too, like, one of the things that they do a good job with in that first scene even, too, is that, like, they set up a connection between her and Moselle. Yeah. Um, and so they do a good job of, like, this is what it looks like when you're grown. And this is what it looks like when you're a child. <laughs> like, yeah. And you don't know how to filter and you don't know how what it means. Like, yeah, um, the the Eve Moselle bond feels like one of, like, the most important, like, just, like, Eve is constantly seeking like refuge in her bond with Moselle as like really her family life is falling apart around her. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of her, her family life. So we also meet her little brother, Poe, who's actually played by her real life brother, Jake Smollett, who's also like also great at playing a kid. Uh, You know, he's, he's a little bit younger than her and just is just doing kid stuff for most of the movie. He's not as big a part of the movie as she is. And then her older sister, Cicely, who is played by Megan Good, who is, incredible as a young actress in this she is a little like the character is a little more refined and trying to be you know uh she's trying she's to be an adult she's 14 she's a young yeah. lady now yeah, she, yeah she's I trying to be an adult that... and is just so tired of these kids and their kids stuff um, but she still loves them right like yeah. that's yeah. one thing before we get super into it that i really think they i really liked about this movie um watching it again especially is that like they all clearly love each other like even the siblings Except for maybe Eve, I think she hates Poe. Like, I think she would actually smother him if she could. But like, other than that, like, like there's a clear connection. Ages, that gap is wide enough where they're not quite in the same place. And like, just stuff like that. Um, yeah, that they're I, also that like, really well. 14 and 10 are real. That's a huge diff- difference yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can see just how much like Eve is frustrated with Cicely that like she is trying to be with the grown-ups she's trying to be grown up she's not acting like you know her sister anymore she's acting like she's one of the grown-ups and she also is sort of frustrated by the close relationship that she has with their dad where you know they uh tend to be around each other more he always dances with her and not with eve um well she's jealous across the board right yeah yeah she, she feels ignored by both of her parents so like her father clearly yeah hell (laughs) is there i mean knowing what we know about their bond even the degree of like i'm gonna prank this like i think what was his name like henry i'm gonna prank this uncle henry because even he's taken away moselle 
yeah yeah exactly she's like yeah. i need somebody like and harry takes it in stride like i liked i felt bad for yeah him, i was like you're you're actually an okay guy like at one point Mozilla thinks like i hope there's just a reason for all this and it shows like all three of like her ex-husbands just like hanging out in a misty woods and just yeah, like i don't know maybe you'll just have like a whole ass hair and when you get to heaven like maybe that's <laughs> all for wherever she, wherever she goes in my in my life it, as a 39 year old woman i wish that i had the amount of confidence that sicily shows in teaching these kids shakespeare like she's teaching these little kids shakespeare and she's like making them love it because of her her charisma over um and her bond of course with with eve but um and that, eve is a is... big fan of murder just in general she's yeah she's real yeah. into murder <laughs> i mean they are spending a lot of time locked in a pre-air conditioned house in louisiana in the summer like they got it they got to pass this time somehow yeah that's that we'll get to that section of the movie but that is truly brutal yeah <laughs> well, and speaking of which we meet uh, their parents as well so their mother Roz is played by Lynn Whitfield who uh, as we already talked about when we started this is gorgeous in this movie is uh, hard to look at because she is like so symmetrical and pretty that it's just like what is going on with her face like how does it look like? <laughs> I was like I was looking at it and I was like I don't understand like how how her face is so like perfect the um, only reason to cheat on lynn whitfield in this movie is because deep down you know you don't deserve her yeah you know what yeah that could also be part of it but we'll, we'll get there i guess <laughs> absolutely yeah and then their father's lewis is played by samuel L. jackson and i think like if you were to describe his role in this movie to somebody i think you would end up with something much different than what's actually in this movie because if you said this is a movie where Samuel L. Jackson cheats on his wife constantly and abuses his daughter. You would think like big yelly Samuel L. Jackson performance, like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff he gives. And he is just like playing this very close to the chest, uh, he's charismatic guy. He's charming. <laughs> and it's just like, he's the toast of the town. Right. Yeah. Everybody loves him. Um, what did they, they said he's the best, he's the best black doctor in all of Louisiana. Right. He's a small town doctor. Yeah. Which it's interesting people like, or he lets people describe him and then the way he really feels about his job. He like has that kind of demeanor of someone. Yeah. Like he's, he's the son, right? A doctor. That's a big deal. He's clearly erudite. He's a very intelligent man. So like, and he's charming and he knows it. So he doesn't have to yell, right? Like when he does bad things, like he kind of like, I'm owed this. This is mine. I can just yeah, this. yeah, he's, yeah. he's or he almost like totally dismissive of of yes. uh, Roz in a lot of scenes he's, in this where she like even when she's upset about the kids, he's just like whatever, like just yeah, leave them alone. Fine. They're kids; he they'll be fine. Has this constant dismissive attitude towards confrontation, where he, yes. if someone is angered with is angry with him, he will dismiss their reason for being angry and then like insist that they are the ones being irrational and need to apologize to him yeah Yeah. he's 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 real slick yeah it is insidious and um you know this is very very accurate and terrifying uh terrifyingly true to form portrayal of gaslighting he just slides out of all of these situations yeah, Lewis's sister is named Moselle. She is played by Debbie Morgan, and she is the one who sees things. Uh, she does a little little light hoodoo 
and also you know can see things by touching people and, and reading them um and this is played as absolutely true in the movie there is no question that she has this power it is yes. not like uh is this real kind of thing uh it is like no this is absolutely like she can do this it might make her a little unstable and she is convinced she's cursed which we're not sure if that's true or not but she is very much convinced yes. of the fact part of Mozella's big thing is that she considers or that the rumor writer is that she's cursed as a black widow and that all her husbands die uh when she's first introduced had two husbands die she's currently married to her third who dies in the car in a car crash leaving this party so she's dealing with all so she's very much dealing with that grief and trauma yeah and this is hearing this played very briefly by branford marsalis um. at one point she's told that her next husband will die but that's not a psychic prediction that's just a competing psychic being really mean and nasty to her so we don't have really, like really cool. yeah. yeah we don't have like psychic reasons to believe that she will go for yeah. for four. It i feels think like that, a self-fulfilling prophecy a little yeah. bit where it's just like well yeah well i think that it's definitely one of those situations where you have somebody you know whether they're psychic or not you have somebody who's very like understanding of other people but they just can't show that empathy or show that that understanding to themselves because you know she says that she is blind to her own future that she is blind to herself and i don't think that she's cursed so much as that she just can't track the decisions that she's made that end up in these you know situations especially like with the the her history with um, her husbands which we'll go into later um, and we, we do also meet uh, Graham Mare, who is, uh, I believe, Louis's mother, who is living with them and just for the most part is there to uh, insult Lynn Whitfield's job at doing stuff and then be mad that she's being ignored. Like that's most of what she does is insult her daughter-in-law and then be mad that nobody listens to her. Yeah, her <laughs> job is to make is to just constantly knock her son and daughter-in-law down a peg. Well, at least she's doing it to her son, which I thought was a really interesting choice because you would expect, given his confidence in himself and given the way that the family is structured, that his mother would be the one guessing. Um, I wanted to just really quickly touch on the fact that uh, that the clairvoyance and psychic powers are treated as completely like, yep, that's just right. Like psychics exist, like hoodoo and voodoo exists. It's all real. Um, I found that really director or writer it would not be like that and it's just like that felt really natural to me I don't know I don't yeah. talk for I, I'm not an ambassador for you know my ethnicity and my race but like <laughs> I was just like you no know, that makes sense yeah uh, I don't think there's really any like natural like equivalent that you that there would be like I can't think of any in any white culture of like equivalent of that level just of practitioner. I mean um, I think there there probably is I feel like more like in a movie like you have to question everything right but like because like it's about these people's lives like this is a part of their lives at the foundational level and the movie's like i'm not gonna question that that's like questioning their blackness no it just is here you go yeah yeah with the mother and lewis there's nothing in the movie actually suggesting this or indicating this so this is just me kind of pulling a headcanon out of nowhere but my reading into it was like, oh, maybe she sees habits in Lewis that she knows that like we're in her own husband. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, especially because you don't get to see the grandfather. anyway. Yeah. So like just <laughs> the fact that like mentioned. that we do get to see 
her just seeing through the hype of Lewis, if maybe she's just like lived among this Baptiste family in their secret and the way they handle their secrets for long enough. Yeah, and that's definitely something that has been passed down. The the visage that is well, it's reinforced powerfully. Right. Um, yeah, this yeah. is very much like the sort of family where when the father died, like he would have taken over as the man of the house. It wouldn't have right. been like it's her house. There, he's the the son still. You know, he's the man of the house. This is his house. Um, There's and he raised his daughters differently, which I thought was interesting as well because they yeah. really are very they're expected it's never kind of a thing where it's just like you just have to wait to get a man or you just you're gonna someday be you know doing x y and z it's just like no these are my children this is who they are yeah and they're they're willful you know they're they're absolutely willful and and they have agency i wanted to to talk briefly about the representation of antibo's um, psychic ability and how yes it is very matter of fact and I think what what you're saying Vita about you know if this was a white director if this was you know any sort of outside perspective it would be fetishized a lot more yes you know I think mm-hmm. that it would there would be this sort of they would get in with the fucking Danny Elfman like oh, 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 yes. you know yeah, yeah, yeah and in this case it's just a thing that happens they don't explain it you know even later mo uh asserts her job she is a psychic therapist she yeah, is right. not a, she's a consultant yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is also projected as she a has business cards and everything it's also projected as a thing to which there are levels like she has this ability she also does do a little like root work under the table you know she mm-hmm. she gives a but she doesn't talk about that yeah she think. gives a, a you know a woman a baggie to wear around her neck which we are led to believe works uh whether you know it it's supposed to be that the uh the magic works or the thinking that it does work I the story the lady whose money was stolen yeah they she needs oh, yeah. money yeah the story so... i want to see is the nature of her beef with elzora the uh <laughs> like the farmer's market psychic. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you what that beef is right now because I think it was pretty it was pretty clear. Here you have Moselle who yes, they're all black, but clearly middle class, mm-hmm. like, uh, upper middle class even, and she is a con- a consultant, right? This is what she does. She is a professional. And yeah. she looks down on this woman who takes dollars in a jar. Works a booth at the future. farmer's market, you know. Right, and she doing- even before like they even go to her she's she's looking down on her she's just like ugh, like this this thing blah 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 like essentially the swamp witch like yeah, yeah. i mean she lives uh, alone in a hut in the swamp like it's you know it's a, a nice it's hut. nice for a hut yeah, yeah. but yeah. she does live nice alone in the swamp and you know yeah. she she scares children I... off around her swamp by like pretending to you know be a, a child-eating witch you know, Look, I wish modern day millennial witches could buy a could afford a swamp hut like that. The dream now, is a gate. Nowadays, you'd have to split that swamp hut with like two other roommates. Yeah. Um, so the fact that even off of her dollar jar, this woman was able to afford the hut is very like I feel good for her. Like she's living the life that she has chosen yeah. and respect. But I, Moselle, that's their beef. Yeah. This woman yeah. is like, you look down on me because I just I this is what I do. And I look down on you because you think you're better than me. Yeah, Class I think is all over this movie. It's kind of like when fine artists and cartoonists have Beef. it out. <laughs> I'm just Listen, picturing fine I, artists I, I, and the snapping and the, 
Oh my God. Spinning in the streets. Yeah. Jumping into a little bit of what happens here. I mean, we have this party scene. We see, um, we get a little bit, (laughs) we get a little bit of of a picture of, of Lewis, you know, dancing with the ladies in particular. He is dancing quite a bit with Maddie Moreau, who is one of their guests. Um, you know, his husband is there. Yep. Yeah. Her husband Lenny is there and his wife is there and, you know, they, they, they dance pretty provocatively, but you know, we are led to believe that maybe this is just normal for a party, uh, for them. But what is not normal is that, uh, Eve is then out, you know, in the carriage house playing hide and seek and sees the the two of them making out and more, at which point she has panic a freak attack. out. She has, she has a full straight up panic attack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we have them drinking first. So this movie endorsing the cool, cool act of childhood drinking. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just what, a champagne toast. They, what, they weren't getting drunk. Like she was yeah. like, like and that's then, pretty normal. <laughs> what year is this too? Because like 60s, in the 60s. Yeah, that, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Well, uh, sure. you're less likely to be an alcoholic if it's not treated as a big deal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they do. They're very cute, right? The three that's kids true. have their oh, actual champagne toast, right? And I was definitely at that age given like sips of beer and stuff yeah, like that for sure at that I age. Was, yeah, I was true. My, my yeah. folks gave me wine and I was like, it's yucky. I'm just so not used to that's seeing it good. like in a movie. I yeah. think that that's again another little detail that you get from the in group where it's yeah, like, yeah it, this is completely normal we're not going to treat it as weird it's a cute moment between these siblings where like they each do their version of the toast where like Sicily gives this very sophisticated toast and then you know Eve's toast is pretty good too um and then Poe's just like mailed <laughs> you're like all right <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute yeah um but yeah Eve Eve's whole thing is that she gets upset because she's not being paid attention to so she runs out to the carriage house uh yeah falls asleep out there and then sees this happening and the way that louise reacts is so smooth like scary it's terrifyingly smooth like he goes to her and suddenly he's like i'm here to take care of you he doesn't act like he's ashamed he doesn't act mortified just immediately he's like okay calm down deep breaths you know and then he doesn't even explain anything nope um he just he just dismisses that she ever saw anything um you know i I think it's it's hard for me to judge him in this scene not for the infidelity but for the like way that he does like father like you know help her get through her panic attack yeah holds her and helps her breathe and gets through it and then Kind then of the manipulation to her. In, yeah right? yeah she, she doesn't know what questions to ask right because she's 10 and she asks these big questions because that's what matters to her as a child do you still love my mother and he's like of course i do which i believe yeah i believe him that's what makes oh it yeah <laughs> oh yeah i absolutely believe that he loves like lynn whitfield and you're right it makes it worse that like he is doing all of these things that hurt her hurt his family and those actions to him that as are really compulsive that he almost can't stop himself from doing not that he seems to try particularly hard and it's part of his insidiousness is that none of that seems to those horrible actions don't seem to interfere to him to be like what is true sincere love for his wife and children yeah he somehow managed to like smooth over that cognitive dissonance when he's just like okay now it's dad mode and he, yeah, like, he is very good with his children like he yeah. loves his kids and, and he's he... able to slip into those different mindsets so 
seamlessly to the degree that it almost feels like he doesn't even believe he is changing mindsets. Yeah. And this is where it starts to feel like a horror movie to me, right? Yeah. (laughs) To me, like his ability to be that deceptive and to do things that are clearly very wrong and harmful and damaging and just, and probably go out again after the party and fuck that woman. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's some sort of beast. Many, yeah. Like there's there's secrets here that are like, they're going to come out and it's going to do real damage. Like it's bad. We find out later she's just, Maddie woman just spends her time hanging out outside his doctor's office. Yeah, like, what the office, fuck? Like, inside, yeah. like, yeah, just like hanging out in his office. Adios. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Roz comes and they're talking, and it seems like an absolutely perfect family situation. Everybody's uh, dealing with it, um, quote unquote, genuinely. I mean, they seem genuine, and I think that's part of the the how terrifying his demeanor is, is that he seems completely genuine. Even though she is totally, she looks totally fine at the end of that uh, conversation. She goes, when she goes to bed and talks to Sicily, she's freaking out again. And this conversation with Sicily is is the part that for me is really chilling because Sicily, (laughs) Sicily gives her this speech where, you know, Eve tells her what happens and Sicily said, no, no, that's not what happened. Here's what you're going to believe happened now. Like, you're going to believe that you saw them go in to get wine and they were both a little drunk. So, you know, maybe they sort of, she fell over on him and then, like, right. that was what you saw. Which, like, it hints at this, like, this is she what she's been taught already. Yeah. Like, that at yes. some point she's had to have been given this speech. She's seen something that, you know, she shouldn't have seen or experience um, something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So she's, and also, she's been too, taught Sam to Jackson. gaslight her little sister, so. And her, yeah, I mean, she's gaslighting herself, right? Cause she believes, she knows what happened, but she's like, I cannot, cannot function with that. I can't. Yeah. Cause if that yeah. happened, then other things have happened and I cannot live. Yeah, so she's trying, she is genuinely also trying to help Eve. Like this, she doesn't understand also being 14. Like she's, she doesn't understand that this is, so horribly manipulative and damaging she she's just understands it as um the way that you deal with it right you know you just have to replace the memory which is one of the most terrifying parts of of gaslighting as well so and and cecily is really uh i mean assuming this is a, a taught behavior is really uh dedicated to the idea of her father as a good and important man uh which will ultimately be the thing that puts her in you know the a very bad position later uh is that she is so dedicated to this idea that she will literally change the the you know the things that are in her own mind to make it true Mm -hmm. i found it interesting too just real quick that like as soon as eve goes and just like "Mm -hmm, no i'll be in the house later i just have to smoke this cigarette don't you worry about me it's fine go and like clearly she wants to talk to him or like connect with him in any way. And he's just like, no. The way throughout the whole movie that he's just so convincingly able to feign ignorance yes. about why his family is falling apart. No. Couldn't be his fault, right? Couldn't yeah. Yeah. Like we're uh, always angry. Yeah. Moselle, Moselle is the one person who feels comfortable questioning him too. Like yeah. everybody else feels like they can't. And Moselle she has nothing is like, do. I know you. You're my brother. Like, well, there's I... she makes her own money. She yeah. has her own house. Mm-hmm. Like 
she's not what does she have to lose she's the only one with nothing to lose though there is one moment that when moselle first realized that eve had seen something that had involved like Luis, uh and her first response was snitch on my brother and i will fucking kill you oh yeah but that is not for his benefit I think that because it comes right after she was talking to Roz and she like that whole scene comes after after the market scene when they first see the other the other psychic and stuff and like Roz is shattering into pieces and she's just like no 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 we can't you're not gonna do that we that's not what we're gonna do um I wanted to also say real quick that like the casting in this is so good not just because they're all amazing but like they got Megan Good who in this movie like Cicely looks like Roz (laughs) yeah there's one one to one ratio right there yeah and then Journey looks exactly like Eve looks like Moselle you're like oh yeah I can see why you would have a redheaded child here I can see and they are literally the redheaded you know middle child (laughs) I can see what's going on here um and so those all those connections make sense later and we will get to it when we talk about what happens to Cicely but all of that was too good and it was all you could feel it coming like I don't know if like <laughs> and Poe was in the movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he I was think there. He was in the part movie of it to make it less stressful because the idea of this, because I think without that, the little boy in there, you, there's never going to be even a little of a question that this man is doing what he is accused of later. Like, oh, yeah. I, not a one. And like, even still, it's very hard to question that, but like, you're like, it, it just feels more sinister if he just has two daughters. I don't know how to explain that, but that's what it feels like. I think it's also, he just needs to be there so Eve can be the middle, can, can be the middle child. Like, yeah, I think that's right. Has I that mean, intense can... middle child that like, I don't think Eve's character makes as much sense to be that exact personality if she is like the baby girl of the family. So there's a version of the story where she's the second daughter not the baby girl right like where it's like Sicily's the one that's so sophisticated and this and the other thing but that changes her and Sicily's relationship mm-hmm. I think it makes Eve less likely to like she she thinks her sister she's she looks up to her like a hero like she's like yep I will believe I will believe your version of events of a thing that I just saw rather than my own and I will go to you whenever there's a problem and like that's her best friend and I don't think you I, I also think you don't have the best friend relationship um, but I definitely there's a version of the movie where like the mother and the father both don't. Eve is this little tomboy who's just like, what about me? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And she's so in the middle of the, you know, her two siblings, not just age wise, but, you know, Poe po and her are always running out and digging crawdads out of the ditch and playing with snakes and, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. And also she wants to be like Cicely, who would never, would yeah, never. Certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do also get this brief moment at the end of the party where they they pack Moselle and Harry up into the car. They won't let Harry drive because he's drunk. Uh, and they, you know, force him to let Moselle drive. And then they end up getting in a crash and Harry dies anyway. Um, Importantly, too, this the fight between Harry and, and, and Louis, right? Because they yeah. go at yeah. They're like, yeah. ready. Well, and, Harry goes at it's, it. Right. Yeah. And, and Louis definitely just is like, oh, whatever, man, <laughs> whatever. He keeps like, coming back, though. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to hit me? Like, whatever. And it's just like, oh, he's antagonizing him, but he's sober, more sober. So yeah. like, he seems like he's not the one that's a problem. But it's like, if you just leave this man alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very similar. It's so similar to 
the confrontation against Lenny at the end of the movie. Yes. And it establishes it establishes right at the beginning of the movie what ends up truly being Luis's like fatal flaw. He cannot leave well enough the fuck alone. Yeah. And I just walk. He cannot just shut up and walk the fuck away. That's right. He's everything that happens to him. He's the architect of his own destruction across the board. And I think that like when Moselle's talking about how similar she and Louis are, that's she sees herself there. And I don't think that that's true. I think that the one instance where it happened, that is very true. And it was very traumatic and it imprinted Mm -hmm. itself on her brain. But it's just like she believes that she is deserving. Well, yeah, I think that's yeah. the one time she acted like him. It completely rattled her. Well, he for you know, a whole smorgasbord of reasons has never faced true consequences for his actions and has exactly. never been rat has never had been has never been forced to change or been you so feel, again or, you feel yeah. you feel this thing rising in the back of this movie, which again to me makes it feel like a horror movie because yeah. it's just this terrible, yeah. inevitable thing that you know is coming and you don't really know how it's coming. And you see weird psychic visions and they mean nothing. <laughs> like, it's yeah. pretty much it's part of the like gothic horror tradition. Yeah, it's very exactly. much that southern gothic that faulkner level family drama where you know you're careening towards unavoidable tragedy yeah Yeah. i mean they do say it in the very beginning of the movie but that's sort of the we know right format but you're waiting for her to like do something like you're waiting for her to like pick up a gun (laughs) you're like right yeah (laughs) even so much weirder like even to the degree of that supernatural is real to the degree that it is in this movie i don't even think it's the degree of like oh eve had some hoodoo stuff done this happened a because no, eve, he did it he did, <laughs> well, she did it too, but well, yeah no like if eve has responsibility for what happened she told. Yeah. It, it's not the hoodoo it's that she went to that market woke up and chose violence with good reason and we're gonna get yeah. there but i'm gonna say this right now uh i again my my head cannon uh for this is i don't think that the swamp witch actually did the hoodoo i think that she was like no i'm not gonna fucking do that. yeah i'm, I'm just gonna yeah, that I'm just comes gonna... back on me like there's I'm, no way i think um, she's like she i'm gonna fuck with that. this little rich girl like this I little rich girl's fucking with something she don't like, understand i'm gonna mess well, with her that's part of it but it's also like look if this kid fucks with these forces and kills her father and i am a conduit to that that is very bad like i don't think she wished that kind of trauma on this child yeah so like i'm gonna fuck with her a little bit but like no i'm not gonna fucking kill this man he's the only doctor we have like you know what i mean like it's just like the way she communicates with her i was like she didn't do it yeah it's it's very archetypal the way that she plays this sort of the this challenging um wise older figure that is like you know i'm gonna kind of play a trick on you but it's going to teach you a very important lesson. Right. Like, do you really want to do this? And so she's like, okay, well, if you really want to do this, you got to go dig up his, dig up his grave, you know, dig up this guy's yeah. grave. Um, like, You're not going to do that. You ain't going to. Yeah. Well, she says that, right? She says, I buried it and blah, 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 but you're not going to find it. And it's like, yeah, because it's not there. You didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who would do that? Like, she seems like she has beef with Moselle specifically, but like, she she doesn't fucking care like she's just like these people's problems are not my problems yeah Yeah, there's a couple of things in this movie where it's like is it supernatural is it something that really happened or does it matter like does it matter if you know she buried the thing or not you know i think the rules 
as far as I can tell, established are hand-holding psychic visions, 100% accurate, totally legit. Like, all, like, the various other rituals and hoodoo, that's a little more like, eh, maybe we're just doing a self-fulfilling prophecy. It treats it like that, but it doesn't seem like it's dismissive. It's much more like... Exactly, yeah. These are rituals we do, and if they don't work, then you're happier than you were before. And if they do work, that is what it is. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's very much the way they play dismissive. It's very much the way they play the, you know, bag. There's the, when he's doing his rounds, there's the one woman who is is sick, who has had heart issues and she, he's checking up on her and he's like, Oh, you've finally been taking your medicine. And she's like, Oh yeah, I've been taking my medicine. And then he walks off and she pulls the little, you know, bag of, bag of roots in her, uh, you know, pulls it out and it's like oh yeah it's you know maybe it is the voodoo maybe it's not you know yeah it does it does it matter for the story um well he has that great line at the end where he says like you and i both know i'm just like i'm just pushing aspirin on old people yeah yeah something to that wording well and being the kind of person that he is being the kind of of convincing charismatic guy that he is i'm sure that even with the people that he's not fucking you know when he's um making house calls to people you know like something that can perpetuate today is that you know doctors will can i don't want to say this about all doctors because i know some very very good doctors but there are doctors who will say who will assert oh this isn't a problem all you need to do is this you know, so that's part of his, um, it, you know, it's part of how he operates, which I think is really interesting when he says, when he admits, he's like, well, I'm just pushing aspirin on old people. You know, he's basically like, I'm not doing that much. You know, I'm not this hero that you think I am. I'm just using this instinct that I have to control people. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. such an insecurity to him that like he gets off on being treated as this hero, as this George Bailey-esque fixture of the community. But he also feels like a fraud in ways and he doesn't feel like that special. So he constantly craves more and more of this validation, which he does, doesn't feel like he deserves. And it just becomes this insecurity doom loop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's a that's a small town thing generally, right? Like when you're somebody who does an important job in a small town, then like you do a thing that that you know you know is important that people you know venerate you in in some way, but then like you just you're not do like you're not in his mind especially doing anything really important. Like you know he's he thinks if he were the man that people make him out to be that he would be doing something real you know that he would be uh making yeah. a difference and in, in what he's doing is just uh you know the same thing over and over and over again just telling people to take their medicine and prescribing things and you know watching them slowly get old and die <laughs> yeah I, I i think that the two things are very much tied together his like frustration and uh sense of shame about him himself and the way that he then treats everybody around him it the way that doctor becomes like leader and i don't know maybe maybe this is just because i've been watching yellow jackets and it's got me thinking about lost but it reminded me (laughs) of jack shepherd in lost where it was like man we were just in a plane crash and i know how to give people first aid 
and somehow that made me president of the island tribe. <laughs> like, I think too for like a black community to have like a doctor is a big deal, like mm-hmm. a huge deal, especially in a small, very close knit community like that. Like that's you you are saving lives. Like that is the real thing that you're doing, and you are educated. You went and got a medical degree. Like you did all these things. The there is an uh, the way that people view him and the way that he views himself are both kind of blown out of proportion. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think it's very likely like being from this place out on the bayou and having like gotten a medical degree, he probably does not encounter anybody else who has any college education out there on a daily basis. Like, you know, other than than maybe uh, you know the the teacher who is also a big part of this. Um, college yeah, he yeah. has this like inflated view of himself that he then feels he fails to live up to. Yeah, and and he's just too comfortable. Like he's well, just he's a Baptist, right? They what are the family. Yeah, like, what does it say? And again, maybe, and maybe I'm just reading into something that isn't there. I'm definitely like an outsider in what is very much an insider's perspective movie, which I certainly appreciate where to see, but I admit I am just f- absolutely, I would be the first to admit I am just full of blind spots and whatnot. So I'm please feel free to call me out on anything that is incorrect. And maybe it is just all about Maddie, but again, the one other character that is educated, that is professor, that is of each school possible cultural standing is the one he seems to go out of his way to emasculate and refuse to even let the have the last word. He seems yeah. to do that with men in general. I think that like one mm-hmm. thing is that he's like, yo, I loved you, man. He's like, I love you. Like he asserts that like, and I don't, do we hear him say that to anyone except his children? Yeah, that was, that was really interesting to me. That word choice really, I don't think it's really like a, an LGBTQIA. It, it did show us a connection that we really didn't see before. You know, and that's one of those things about this movie that is so uh, fantastic is that there's a lot of cultural context that enriches the movie, but you don't necessarily need it in order to enjoy the story. Um, I think that you, you gain, I think everything like that is to make it feel worse when everything happens. You're like, oh, yeah. dang it. Yeah, <laughs> that, well, I mean, like that enriches, the, that, that definitely affects the impact of things. But you still get, you know, all of these, all of these situations you come across um, are very relatable in a lot of different ways, even though they're very specific to this one community. And I think that's good art. Yes, Mm -hmm. I think this is a phenomenal movie. This isn't tied to any particular moment in the plot, but just in general, uh, I love the, the, just the setting of Eve's Bayou. Like this is a very rich location. You know, you talk about, locations being characters in their own right the bayou is a hundred percent a character in the movie yeah yeah and what's what's really interesting to me about it as a setting is that it is so rare to have a a movie like this in which there are zero white characters there's yes there are no white people in this movie yes very well done that way well they established that it is the black part of the bayou right like right Right. off the bat it's like given to the slave she had 16 kids we are that family. The end. Yeah. Um, I think that it is able to explore the, these dynamics in a richer way because there were no white people in it because it wasn't about them. It was just about this small community. And it gets a little harder to do as much of the nuanced stuff if you also have to 
acknowledge all of these other things that you have to like deal with. I, yeah. I feel like if you pitch this yeah. to a studio, there would be a lot of studios that'd be, oh well, no, we can't we can't isolate the white audience like that. There's nobody for them to relate to. And I know we're like, listen. <laughs> I know we're making the movie about the black women mathematicians who like made NASA work, but we have to have the not racist white man there who made it possible. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, that was that was the thing that I had forgotten about this movie, that there were no white people in it. Um, the lightest people are Journey Smollett <laughs> and Jake Smollett. Uh, and I was like, this is great. We got El Zora <laughs> in some white face paint. That did happen. That did happen. But that's more to call it the spirit realm, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a symbolic thing that was the thing that i enjoyed about eve's bayou as well i was like it's there we start off with the story of this this woman who was enslaved but Mm -hmm. like this is not about that this is i'm sure all of that i'm sure literally sure all of that other stuff definitely plays a role yes but that's not what we're talking about right now we're talking about complicated and nuanced family dynamics and the fucked up secrets that we keep that's the thing for me where i was just like you don't have to keep that secret like yeah getting getting forward in the story a little bit where after cicely kind of has her 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 breakdown um and it's because she's keeping the secret and it's literally eating her alive i was just like just hold your aunt's hands and you could just do that you could just yeah look if there was going to be a white person in this movie it should have been patrick stewart rolling up being like we need you to join the x-men with your hand knowing powers <laughs> yeah we we get a lot more of the uh stuff about moselle here uh because this whole the whole movie happens over the course of the summer uh and eve spends a lot of time with moselle we find out that she has had you know these three great loves in her life uh and that she you know we find out that she does a, a bit of light hoodoo and that uh you know, she had, so she had, you know, her husband who died recently, and then she had the, her original husband who she was cheating on with another man, uh, who she felt like she loved a lot, but then that man, her husband stood up to this man when he tried to take her off, and she realized that maybe she really did love her husband more, and then they both ended up dying. That was her second, that was her second husband. The first husband was- is just a guy in an army uniform that you never hear the yeah. story of. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Like, Sorry, Anderson. First I guess Anderson. we're yeah. meant to assume that he probably died in the Korean War. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah, that makes Absolutely. sense. Yeah, and so we, we get a, a bit of that. We get to the farmer's market and we, we do get to meet uh, Elzora, played by Diane Carroll, who is, you know, the, so uh, <laughs> yeah, she is, uh, she is the, the woman who is there to do voodoo and she is not ashamed of it. Um, you know, she's, she's got her, her stall set up to read future and stuff like that. Um, and we do also uh, get a bit of Eve actually going around with her dad visiting people as a doctor and makes it very clear that this is not a one-off thing him cheating on on her mother he seems to have several stops along the way in which he is relieving people's pain one way or another um she's very good at like pretending that she doesn't know what's going on yeah actually knows exactly what's going on importantly (laughs) though at the market moselle has a vision of a child being hit by a bus so roz decides to keep the children locked in the house for the entire summer until Moselle tells her that it's safe for them to come out again. Yeah. They have so like they're... their psychic fight. Right, right, right. <laughs> they, they literally, they're just sitting there like, <laughs> yeah. 
Roz knows at this point Roz is very she knows Luis is he's doing something behind her back and she also uh she feels like she's so out of control that she has to control her children like that's what's going on she's just like nope now I'm gonna fucking transfer everything because I can't oh and and uh Louis is spending every night out of the house including Sunday yes does not come home because illness won't stop and totally guilts her for suggesting yeah and that was another thing is that they were there was a a meeting of these matriarchs of the family about how miss moreau Mm -hmm. was calling his house and you know it, it seems like they all know what's going on but the fact that this woman miss moreau is challenging her you know the the that reality that they're trying to um create that everything's fine you know is the audacity of doing that thing it's not I've totally forgotten about the scene and it has the coldest line read from samuel jackson in the whole yes. thing yes. which yes. is like they're all talking about this in the other room and like cecily runs downstairs when he gets home and he's like oh they're mad they're in there they're talking about you and he's like who's mad and opens up the door to see them like all looking at him angrily and he's like oh them they're always mad yeah, and it's that, just like that line. Oh my god! <laughs> like, they shouldn't be so dismissive. All... Like I was just like, yeah. yeah. Oh shit! Like, hey, listeners, if all the adult women in life are mad at you all the time, fucking fix yourself. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've back your backs and move away. <laughs> you have that many. If you have managed to piss off not only your wife, but two people who have done nothing but support you your whole life you you fucked up that's you have you. a vested like, interest yep. in your success like, yes yep. yeah exactly like oh my god and this poor woman is just yeah. um well, his gaslighting is like next level in that he you know he's so reasonable he makes everything we, seem so reasonable yeah we are told that she will be happy in three years yeah yeah, yeah. No, we don't get to see it but we know that within three years of this movie Look uh lynn, lynn whitfield gets a happy ending at some point yeah her daughter has graduated high school her other daughter is in high school like that she's there everyone is thriving she is married moselle like it's fine that's that's yeah. what i want for her. <laughs> yeah yeah and it, moselle it, who helps her raise her own children yes. anyway yeah Julian gray raven I got eaten by That's a right. crocodile. Like Let him he went off to find his wife, and then he turned into an angel, a vampire, and yeah, Julian it Ray- will. Julian it will Ray- not Ray- be Ray- this summer though, because they're like yeah, this whole this whole bit with the three of them being stuck in the house is miserable. Like the idea oh. that you know she's tied them up in this house this whole Louisiana summer. They're all angry. Like the two youngest ones are are playing pranks on each other the all time all the time, and Sicily's just an angry teenager at this point like she's just in the tub she, for hours a day like yeah she There's wants a to line, be not though. here and not near her her siblings with sicily though um in well, the tub, mom, that brings up, right? yeah like one she, of the lines that really stuck with me is when eve is really upset with sicily being in the bathroom um all day and it's really Roz very much at the point of at maximum trying to rationalize it to herself mm-hmm. uh when she says it's like well there's more than one bathroom in the house and you should be thankful for your father who right. is the reason we can live in a house with four bathrooms right yeah and it which means- is uh, and just like the way that the class tied into the right. you know just like the, the calculus that you're seeing Roz doing yeah this is also the point in the movie where like Cicely has always clearly favored the father, right? But like still the mother, 
given her respect and whatever. And this is the point where like that schism is complete. Like where yeah. she's just like, you are now the enemy. You're the reason dad is not here. It's you, you did this. Cause you're making us miss. Uh, you're not scene, good enough for him. <laughs> like, the scene where Cicely sneaks out of the house to go to the hair salon and Roz slaps her. That was, yeah. to, this this leads to the office. biggest turning point in the movie. Like she goes to the hair salon, she goes to get her nails done and then she goes to her dad's office right. to just hang out. Um, and then, you know, comes back in a rainstorm and basically tells her mom that she's not going to listen to her anymore. She doesn't have to do this. And mom just slaps the piss out of her. Yeah, like, well, and she's As like, you would I... expect this mom to do at, at this point. That girl was in her face. Like I would not, but like, I, I was like, you know what? You're tall enough now where like you might be able to just fist fight. Like that's not like, <laughs> like you shouldn't probably, but like, but also too, like the the fact that she looks exactly like her mother in that scene is what, yeah. is frightening where she's like, I got made up and then went to see him. And you're just like, that's not right. Megan that, there's Good something, is- There's something poisoned here. Oh, yes, Megan Good weird. is so good in that scene. She's so good. Megan great. Megan great. Yeah. Megan perfect. Um, I thought, real. And, and also in the beginning of the movie and a bunch of times in the movie the grandmother is constantly like you need to beat these kids because you don't why you let them talk to you like that why you let them do this and you see Roz like take their shit over and over again even her own kid shit which I'm like take their shit so take complicated. her mom's shit like everyone's shit and finally she's just like this is the last straw and I think it's because she just saw herself she was like I see this is me this is me I'm gonna save you because I couldn't save myself and I'm going to do it with my hands. I'm going to throw hands. And I yeah. was, it was really powerful. I was, it messed me up. Like I, watching that movie, I was yeah. like, this is, I'm chilled. <laughs> like This is chilling. Totally. And it's only going to get chillier because this leads to the, the God, turning God, point God, scene God, of God. this where like he comes home late drunk after all this stuff has happened and she is trying to talk to him about it and he is not trying to listen to her. And it leads yeah. to a, a big fight. You know, all the kids get sent upstairs and eventually she storms off and he is just sort of like left there drinking in, in the uh, parlor. And we will find out later on that some, some, some real bad stuff happens here, but we just sort of like jump forward a bit to like, Eve has Cicely has just stopped talking to people. Like Cicely has stopped talking, stopped going outside, stopped, uh, interacting with the world and just staring out the window and eve is convinced that it's her fault and the mom is convinced that it's her fault the only person who doesn't seem to think it's their fault is lewis absolutely fucking 100 500 1000 yeah and and finally we learn like eve is just distraught that she won't tell her what's going on that cicely won't open up to her and finally asks her and um cicely is like no it's not it's not your fault you know this is this is oh, what wait. happened. Hold on. Before she tells her, it, she's she has a Eve has the breakdown because Cicely's going to leave. Like it gets yeah. so bad that yeah. Roz and Louis are like, you can go. Like we can, you know, this therapist thinks that like maybe you just have to leave. And she they expect her to say no. And she's like, I want to go. Um, and that is yeah. that is a big deal. Yeah. And she's yeah. gotten her period. That's also yeah. a big deal. It's also a big deal. Yep. And something that they don't they don't talk around that much. No, she's like she got her period and he's just like oh that's what's wrong with yeah. her but not in a dismissive way he's just like oh that's upsetting I'll go comfort yeah. my daughter and she's like I don't want you to see me I don't want you to look at me I don't want you to touch me 
And yeah. I was like, ooh. Um, yeah. Also importantly, with the hair change, also the, the nightwear change. I don't know if you noticed that, but she was wearing little kitty pajamas. And then the night forward of her haircut, she's wearing these like flowing, very like adult looking gowns, which I was like, yeah. I don't like that either. Um, but yeah, Eve, Eve has had this nightmare, right? Of all this weird imagery where she's just like, it's my fault. I don't know what it is, but I did it. It's evil. Um, and then she begs, uh, yeah, we get so, the story of how uh, this man needs to be in the ground. That's really yep, where yeah. we get the story. Yep. Yep. That, <laughs> that, that's when the movie becomes, I don't care if it's by bullet or by hoodoo, just put that man like <laughs> that no more. Make so make that man no more. Yeah, we <laughs> we learned that Cicely came down to comfort her dad after this argument and that, you know, she rubbed his shoulders and sat in his lap and then he started kissing her forcibly when he tried to pull away. She then uh, hit him, or he then yeah, hit her. Something. Yeah, and it well, she thinks uh, she heard him too. And she said that she's like, "I heard him," because um, I think yeah, like she like scratched him or hit him or something. Yeah, he knocked her down too. And so. she—that's another thing—is that she was making drinks for him. Oh, and she knew how he took his drinks. Yeah, this is, again, the thing that like to me, I was like, this is really fucked up and chilling to me. Like, this is scary. This is not new. This is not new. You this, knew yeah. too much. About this is not a healthy father-daughter relationship. Mm-mm. I mean, it, no one has even be. I mean, even before, obviously, yes, after that scene, no, but yeah, yeah, even before sure. this that scene, it was not a healthy relationship. Yeah. And after yeah. that, so one thing that when Cicely decides to leave, right before then, she and Roz have that conversation where Roz is waiting for him, um, and she's like, "I'm, I'm going to wait for him, and we're going to talk about this." But you. Do not wait for him ever again. And it's like, oh, she knows. She knows. Like, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, and then, part. you know, after, <laughs> towards the end of the movie, it then makes me wonder what she knows and how much she knows and what version right. of it she got. Because, well, I mean, we'll get to that. But like, well, you know, what she Cicely, yeah, Cicely yeah. decides uh, she's going to leave. Uh, she leaves. And at her leaving, this is finding out this stuff is Eve's last draw. She has decided she's going to fucking kill her dad. She does not give a shit uh, what the consequences are or how it's going to happen, but she is going to kill this dude. She is, she's taken on a vendetta. Um, and I, the acting by journey Smollett in this section is, is incredible because that whole character shifts like she goes from being, you know, more or less carefree and running around and having yeah. fun to just being kind of like, yeah, <laughs> dedicated to murder. <laughs> she yeah. loves her sister more than anyone else. And yeah. you see that here. Like she like mm-hmm. you get it sprinkled throughout the movie. But like she was like, oh, it's on site for anyone that fucks with you. I do not care. Like, who is it? Mom, dad, whoever. I think the only person she would hesitate with is Moselle. Like, I think that's the only other person. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah huh. She she goes to the farmer's market looking for, you know, the voodoo lady to do some voodoo to kill her dad. Uh, she's <laughs> particularly heard about voodoo dolls at this point. And wants Moselle, to get right? one of those. Yeah, I, I think well, she's she's heard about the dolls, but she's definitely heard about the you know you need a hair from their head or something like that. Like so, she Maybe grabs she a hair. Moselle, right? She's like, yeah, but way earlier. Someone with voodoo, and she's like, what? What yeah, did you just say was... to me? We boxing? Like what is going on? That was <laughs> yeah. great because Moselle just gives this whole big long monologue, like pouring her heart out about like marrying whatever his name is, Lo- yeah. Bernard. 
No, it's about Gray. Yeah, Gray, it's about Gray Raven. Oh, Gray Raven. Um, yes. Oh, this God. Wonderful man who fell in love over magic and has the wildest fucking wig I've ever seen. Okay, so I gotta I gotta talk about this because right. Gray Raven is played by Vonnie Curtis Hall. Yep. Who is the director and writer's real life husband. And I don't know who would ever do this wig to their own husband, (laughs) but he must have done something wrong to deserve this (laughs) faux Native American like wig. It's long and flowing and gray, and like the most obvious wig I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. He has like a big long ponytail, and he's like an artist. And his name is not even a shake and go. It's just a go. Yeah. (laughs) I will say, for as much as this movie is very much talking about race and being that community when it came to accurately casting native characters it may have been a little more Even cavalier a, like there are black indigenous like I, I am both black and also like indigenous american like it's possible you could find people like that was that was bru- Ooh. Ooh. that was the only time where i came out of the movie i was just like what is that? Yeah, that was really weird. Like, I was oh. just in my notes. I was like, oh, wow, Mo found a, a boyfriend as magical as she is. That hair is, oh, with the hat on when he first Julian shows up at the door. Julian Gray Raven yeah. walks Julian. in out of the oh. rain with yeah. his magical wig. His magical oh, gray wig. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Moselle gives that Fucking whole big, long, place. heartfelt speech. And Eve just goes, yeah, uh-huh, cool story. Uh, how do you kill people with voodoo? <laughs> Which is a 10-year-old response. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was wrapped by that, like, that she was really into this, like, the story was compelling. Yeah, was good. But that's she's good. like, I also don't understand. Stay on target, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's cool. Um, I'll, I'll probably understand that at some point when I'm not just fixated on <laughs> killing my so dad. So you love him, huh? Have you ever wanted to kill somebody? How would you yeah, do just, that? Just, like, straight kill, like, just... Yeah. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah. Moselle immediately was like, excuse me? Like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, so, that's yeah, yeah. what you got out of that? Cool, 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 cool. How would you feed a person to a tiger, theoretically? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, well, salmon oil, you say? They have this interaction. I, I don't remember if it's at this exact point or a little bit later where, it like, Moselle asks her what's going on and finally, like, puts her hands out for, for, her, for her niece to, like, put her hands in so she can read her and as soon as she touches her she jerks back and says well keep your secrets then i think as if she hasn't gotten it but we find out for sure later on that she absolutely got it she knew exactly what happened uh and you know we also see her own brother about it like so like i don't know if like she i think she saw it in from eve but i'm not so sure also that she didn't get the story from sicily because sicily and her like after that happens like they're cl- they show them actually together for the first time like mm-hmm. really close so i'm like i don't know maybe but also uh, uh i do love that moselle was like okay no don't, don't worry about it you're not culpable i'm gonna go whoop his ass myself don't even worry about it you please don't murder anyone that's unacceptable mm-hmm. but like i'll kick his ass like i'll fuck him up <laughs> yeah, so uh, eve does not listen she goes to find elzora to uh She's like, well, if my aunt won't do voodoo for me, then surely I can get the small witch to do voodoo for me. Uh, she hey, does in the process. <laughs> yeah, she does in the process. Actually, uh, it's it's a big going achieved... in Doctor Nick Riviera energy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody! <laughs> she does, she does Hi, in Dr. the process encounter 
Larry Moreau and seemingly do the job herself at this point, which she does not. <laughs> yes, she does not seem yeah. to realize she has done, but she is definitely planting the seeds. Where she's like, "Huh, Larry Moreau, your uh, your wife. Well, he won't leave her she alone. Ever, like she's come home issue. real late? Do you ever <laughs> yeah. like? Do you ever stay at work late and like maybe not make it home and not know what's going on in your house with your wife? Do you ever not know if your wife is having sex with my dad? Like, funny enough, she's my dad comes home really late sometimes yeah. too. Yeah, I guess my dad and her, your wife aren't really the lonely type. She's yeah, she's basically man, like he's in her business. Yeah, right? like yeah. If, if Eve bears responsibility for her father's death, it is because of this moment. Yeah, not because of this voodoo. But voodoo. that's the thing that I think that they did a really good job with, and that like. For a second, you're like, yeah, she killed this man. And then you're like, no, he killed himself. He had every chance. He had every chance. Yeah. Even at the end, he could have just shut his damn mouth. Yeah. He didn't do a fucking thing. It's just that the sins of the fathers always fall on the shoulders of these fucking children. Um, and yeah. she's pretty gangster about it. She's just like, yeah, I killed him. Yeah. He sure is dead. I did it when I was 10. My yeah. brother was nine. First man I killed, I was 10. <laughs> just yeah. to watch him die. I'll be the also, last. He had it coming. Yeah, so she does eventually like Eve's buy you too, buy you with blood. <laughs> that would be sick. That's just yeah. annihilation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. She's the she's what's going on with the like she did the whole thing with the the lighthouse or whatever or the tower. She's like, no, I'm just here, you know, fixing the world. Like I fixed my dad. Yeah. So she does set up the whole thing with Elzora. She brings Elzora some of her dad's hair. Does not. She does not say to Elzora whose hair this is, who it is she yeah. wants to kill. Um, you know, Elzora so, knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a real knowing quality to Elzora. Uh, he doesn't die the next day, and she does show up at Elzora's house again and is like, so what the fuck? Like, I paid um, you 20 whole 1960s dollars. That was a lot of money. Yeah. She yeah. asked her for the right. voodoo doll because she thinks she has to do it herself. right? Like, yeah. She's just like, I came yeah. here to get the thing, and Elzora's like, she's practicing. <laughs> she's practicing putting needles in a doll. Yeah, she she's ready or to whatever. Go. Yeah. But you also, yeah. I mean, she wasn't going to do it. Like that's the thing. Like, yeah, she, she Elzora pulls a nice Elzora. trick here because she's yeah. like, oh no, I, I already did it. He's already going to die, and you know, she is immediately like terrified that oh no, her father's yeah. going to die. Oh well, no, like, said- that realization dawns on her. Yeah, she said uh, he should be doing. dead by now because, you know, the way that this works, he, he's dead by now and she hasn't seen him. So she has to go find him and then... Yeah, she, yeah, that's right. That's right. And she tells... But she does tell her where to where to reverse this thing that definitely didn't happen. That she definitely yeah. did not. She's like, I buried it in a coffin of wax and I put it where all the Baptists are buried. And it's yeah. like, no, you didn't. Because you'd be able to see the overturned earth. You, there's no... You did not do that. And then she just laughs at her. She's like, roll out, kid. Like, get out of my face. I just got $20. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's, yeah, that was <laughs> kind of great. I was like... <laughs> I love that she kept the $20. She had no intention oh, yeah. of doing any of that. She was just like, this $20 is mine. Fuck well, yeah. she, she had to come up with, like, the bare minimum of what to say she did in order to justify keeping the $20. Listen, that's, a th- that's another kind of therapy is, you know, learning that lesson. Yeah. If you learn that lesson at 10, then you, you know, aren't so, yeah, as easily so- swindled at... 40. So after that, she okay. uh, Eve runs to the bar to try to save her dad, where her dad is just having himself a big old public cheating time, like yeah. just openly dancing with Maddie and stuff like that in full view of everyone. Not even just making this man making zero it. effort to hide it. 
the bartender's like, oh, your kid's here. Don't worry, I'll pay for this round. You go ahead and deal with this. And he's he's like, like, oh, you're in for it. And then he's like, yeah. He's like, well, ride up, ride's over. So much for uh, the Affair Express. Yeah, and they, you know, they head out and he's going to take Eve home, but uh, they run into uh, Maddie's husband who has shown up with a, a gun and is ready to blow him away. Uh, and is easily, seems easily swayed not to, but as, as you to. said, uh, he cannot leave well enough alone. He's got to get his last word in. He's got to be the better man and uh, catches catches a bullet for it. Well, that's it, what he deserves. Dude yeah. says to him, you talk to my, you bullet. say one more word to my He's wife. given so many chances. And I will shoot you. You He's know exactly you. what not to do. And then he goes out of his way to do it multiple times. No, Zero sympathy for Lewis. And like he sees this man that is so distraught and they have this moment, right? Where they, they say that they love each other. And like, yeah. he has this look of remorse on it. Oh, you see me, you know who I am. I, you know, I love you too. But like, also I'm not, not going to tell me what to do. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. not only not going to tell me what to do, but I'm not the bad guy here. That's you. Yeah, yeah. you're the bad guy. You know. Um, so then, all he had to do was walk away, man. Like at any point, like he could have gotten away with it. Like literally, the guy doesn't even say, "I'm going to tell your wife. I'm going to do this." He's just like, "Don't ever talk to her again." You yeah, know, yeah. You talk to her again, I blow you away. Uh, and, and then, and what if all do? of this, if all of this weren't enough? You know, he dies, they bury him. And then Eve is going through his stuff, you know, putting on his hat and going through his medical bag at home and finds a letter that he has written to Moselle where he says, ah, oh, you confronted me about this thing with my daughter. And, you know, you've got it all wrong. You know, most she- beloved child. Yeah, she <laughs> kissed me. And I mean, I may have pushed her off a little aggressively, but, you know, I- I didn't hurt her. I love my daughter. I would never do these horrible things you're saying that I my did. My sin is that I wasn't understanding enough. I was too harsh with her. I should have oh. gently held oh her and explained God. what the problem so, was. I was like, it's the slimiest shit. And of course oh, it works on Eve. Yeah. Grossly self-serving. Of course it works on Eve. And, and Eve marches out of there course. to confront her sister about it. And, um, you know, she just... Uh, Sicily offers up, letting Eve read her, and uh, you know sees yeah. sees what really happened, and they they push they go ahead and push that uh, letter down to the bottom of the swamp, and that is that is yeah. where we leave them. Yep, that was like Journey Small. It's like to me one of the best moments that she had in a movie where she looks at uh, Megan Good and she's just like, "I hated him for you." She doesn't say I killed him for you or any of these other things. She's like, I hated him for you. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I felt good in my soul. Did they just tell this kid that she killed Sam Jackson? <laughs> like, <laughs> like The raw emotion in that line, like that is like that is Academy Award caliber yeah, acting absolutely. from like a small child on that line. Like, holy shit, the talent that Journey Small had brought to this movie. I know that we are supposed to maybe think that there is some doubt about what happened, that there's a truth in between. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Um, I, yeah. No. Because she does, even- that's where she says, I hurt him. And she's, because she, when she puts her hands in, in Eve's hands and she's like, I hurt him. So I don't know what happened. Like, this yeah. is what I remember. And it's just like, no, he's grown. <laughs> yeah he did this to you (laughs) yeah no matter what happens no matter what like that's the thing about that situation is that he no matter what 
he allowed that to happen. And I, I believe her original version of what absolutely much more. Oh, totally. His version. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I, I she has no reason thing. to lie. He has every reason to lie. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the important thing is that like we see Eve choose to believe her sister. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what matters. Yeah. So I think there's a horror movie. There are ghosts <laughs> at least yeah. twice. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of real, like weird, scary visions. There's a couple of deaths. A, <laughs> a lot of deaths. dread. A couple of murders. There's uh, just this there's sort of Damocles hanging over the whole thing the whole time of like, yeah, something bad is going to happen. Like they let you know from the beginning, like Eve killed her father. We, you know, we think maybe with this kind of lead in, it's going to be like an accidental thing. But, you know, we know like that's where it's headed the whole time that the that boulder is rolling down the hill uh, from the beginning. I think the way that it does it for me makes it a horror movie, right? Like, I think that, like, it is very, like, gothic, right? Like, it's not like a slap. People aren't just stabbing each other left and right. But I think that, like, the way that it is structured to me feels like that kind of horror movie if, or, or horror story. It, fe- it feels more like like a novella. Like, that's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. Like, like, a, like a, some sort of gothic, Southern gothic novella. And, like, if you, I think if you mapped it out, the way that you would map out one of those you'd be like oh yeah it ticks all the boxes this is this is a horror movie i think that because it is seen through the eyes of the child it is less fucked up in a weird way than if if we were seeing that story but from the mother's perspective that's crimson peak level yeah where you're just like this is fucked up like this oh, yeah is fucked. <laughs> like this is too much, but because I think we're seeing it through Eve's eyes, it feels a little more surreal and also childlike. Yeah. Um, but like, I remember being scared of that movie as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and the, the way that they represent these things that, I mean, like you were saying, like with Crim- Crimson Peak, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's fucked up. But it was also very extreme, you know? Crimson Peak was very over the top. This movie was, yeah, but this movie was not like super it's over the top. The way that they they presented things like you know this a girl um witnessing this in another movie might be comedy right right? like i mean kind of but like (laughs) yeah i mean like they might be played as comedy in another movie even though it is um downright like awful um and traumatizing for her no matter what the context is you know i feel like shifting the perspective to even the even the older sister, I think it becomes clear how much of a horror movie it is. But I think that like, for me, as fucked up as it sounds, like the perspective that makes it the most like a traditional horror movie is a mom, right? You ha- you're living in this house with this monster who is consuming your children. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's the most fucked up, scary thing I can think of. She's so frightened that she does not actually want her children to see him, but she has no power to leave, right? Like she, yeah. what is she, she doesn't have a job. <laughs> she has three yeah. kids and no job <laughs> and she's a black woman who is not from there right she's, yeah. she's she has this whole she has this whole conversation with moselle about how she's not from there she came here for him yeah and now she's alone and isolated yes. in this she house doesn't have her people kid. there like, you know, like yeah. her people. and she people. loves moselle and that's the thing too that like i thought you had these all these women characters in their relationships were very complicated but like there was clearly yeah, the, the scene <laughs> of the two of them sense. walking around Most... at the farmer's market and you know just talking and, and chatting is is like the the biggest breath of fresh air in the movie like yeah, just yeah. The, the and Mozilla believes her automatically 
like for, for everything. She's just like, um, yep, that happened. Yep, that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. For a movie that is mostly women with names talking to each other, this movie can be stubborn about passing the Bechdel test. It is almost they it's are talking mostly... about a man in most scenes. Um, but yeah, but no, um, definitely. I, I was glad that like the Roz Moselle relationship is always like supportive. Yeah. Like in all like in all things. Moselle loves, I think truly loves her as a sister and, and also loves those kids so much. Like in that comes oh up, yeah. Like yeah. really clearly. And um, Moselle understands the the complexity of the situation too. Right. I think that's one of the reasons that she's not not just because you know she's she has visions, but um she knows how complicated this all is um which makes her an ideal uh support for Roz. so going off of that uh bechdel quest bechdel test question we feel like this is a, a good feminist movie that has feminist absolutely. themes and yeah oh yeah absolutely i think so i think that be you're right it, it it struggles to pass that test but yeah, i like, think that that's not that's not a thing that works against it right it's oh yeah no like yeah. hole that this man has carved into people's lives and like how these women band together oh yeah no like, it's something i noticed into that very specific set of yeah. circumstances that makes that well-known test but like no everything about this movie i thought was dealing with like the lives of these women and what they have to and what they're dealing with and how they find their best ways to live through it and overcome like so yeah no like i think this is absolutely a movie dealing in feminist themes and issues yeah Yeah. because i think the bechdel test is more meant to measure like the the personhood of women in in the story you know yeah uh in every scene they're in are they just talking about the main character who's a guy you know is, is it all about that because i mean alison bechdel like <laughs> you know she has a, a very important comic which is mostly about women dealing with like this a guy not unlike this one who is sort of messing up their whole lives and they don't talk about anything but him in a lot of it and that is sort of like that's that's a whole different question because I think you know Bechdel test is a lot of the like you know is is it even important that the woman's there does the woman do anything to move the plot forward like that's you know that's that's what really matters about it uh the man at this point is like just the problem like, right but they <laughs> all feel like very fleshed out characters in ways where like you could read just the lines without seeing the names of which character was speaking and you'd know who was speaking you know yeah exactly what was going on um I, I, I feel like I know movie. Moselle. Like yes, uh, they all have incredibly unique voices, um, and the men in this movie are interesting because you know we have the monster, the hapless little brother, the romance novel character, <laughs> yeah, and, and the cheated on husband, and then the dead husbands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you if you despite the fact that you know the monster is being being the source of conflict in the film, you know is the the subject of their conversations that character the Luis is the most developed male character in the movie and that's because he's a fucking monster <laughs> and he's a well-developed monster but yeah very well, much a monster yeah but that it makes a huge difference because like it's also not just saying that he's a sleazebag 
like he is a completely no, he's totally what? adept sleaze like he is a he is a monster he deserves what he got my next question would usually be like uh race and social justice like it's prevalent we've talked quite a bit about that in this you know in this movie it has a lot of stuff about race in it that i i think we've also talked a lot about class like class is a huge part of this movie how that stratifies the you know different characters when the within this black community as far as it deals with disability i think you know it deals with most like people treating Moselle like she's crazy or you know the 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 way in which going to the psychiatrist is like a a huge life-changing decision for uh you know for Cicely at this point uh because you know that's like it's gonna be going away for a long time yeah <laughs> might but not that's return a to polite they society yeah. they do give her that choice yeah it, it's actually pretty the way that they handle the severity of particular other than you know most whole thing where they're saying that you know she's not she's not psychic she's just crazy is i think that says more about tradition than it does about um and and, it's interesting because the mother's like yeah she's crazy but it comes true and yeah unpack that like what why are you calling crazy but i like that the narrative itself doesn't treat her like it's crazy like she's crazy and also she knows she's not crazy and that was important to me because i was like that is always a like please don't call her crazy like just don't um, but she's like, I know I'm not crazy. I, yeah, the, the people in the town like, seem to believe it for the most part as well. Like, yeah, you know, they like they know that she knows things. Uh, so yeah, I think this hits all of those bases. The only one of our questions it doesn't really address at all is LGBT issues. There's very little of interest to I think to talk about there. But it, it does yeah. not go homophobic about people of the same sex saying that they love each other. You know, yeah. it is certainly no, it treats it as tender. That's one yeah. of the only real moments of like mm-hmm. humanity yeah. that he has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also have this very, very tender connection between Mo and Roz. Yes. Which um, again, my head canon, they're living happily together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Universe says you can't have a husband. Try a wife. <laughs> I know. Right. That's the whole thing. That's like why. I am no man. Uh, sorry. Uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it sounds like we all agree this one is, is worth people checking out, right? Absolutely. Yes. This movie is phenomenal. Yeah, Mind the trigger warning. warning. Yeah, there's, there's definitely trigger warnings. Don't expect any spooky, scary skeletons. I mean, you know, it's, it's not that kind of horror movie. Um, but definitely. There, there are some out. ghosts and there are some some visions. Given on this, Vita, is there anything you would uh, recommend people check out, either, you know, related to this or not? First time. Uh, um good question i'm trying to think of like this feels like you should go read a book but i'm trying to think of what book i could suggest that is like this and to me like yeah go read a book the 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 thing about it is is like this felt it feels like a black director and writer like doing what she do a black lady director and writer so i guess like i don't know if you want like scary but mostly drama stuff go read octavia butler Her short stories are a good place to start. I mean, the thing that would be closest to this while being very different. To me, like, it feels more like I witness with my eyes a novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, down yes. to the narration, you know, it's a very... Yes, which rarely works. narration. Rarely yeah. works, but I think it works in this one. I think they use it very sparingly as part of the key. Yes. Like, it's yeah. there at it's the beginning and the end. And a close, yeah. If you would like to see a bad version of a horror movie that has voodoo in it but that is still a good time i guess skeleton key is something you can check out i have a good time with it it's not good but like i have a good time with it 
No, if you would like to see the opposite. It's <laughs> always something sort of you could see. Uh, I don't know. It's it feels really unique to me still. Like I'm trying to think of uh, Candyman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it is also very rare in being a horror movie that is directed by a black woman. Like, there's not, there's very few feature films um, in the horror genre directed by black women. Period. Yeah, that's true. Go watch the documentary Horror Noir, where yes. this and other things are talked about. Yes. <laughs> get, get, oh, oh, Ganja and Hess. I don't know if you've ever seen that. We heard about that. We've yeah. seen it, but we've talked about it. It's wild, uh, and it is also feels like this and that like yeah it's like a vampire movie but like it's very cerebral and it is about things that it is not talking about um and it's not about just, uh <laughs> so I guess I, no just sorry okay uh, so i guess if you were looking for a movie to watch i would say something that feels a little slower takes a little longer to kind of get going i'd say Gunja and Hess. Yeah. I, I really like that movie Emily, have you got anything to recommend? If you want to see a movie that is about a young girl kind of navigating her way through magic and the the crises that she faces as part of her society, this it's less about a large family and more about community. And this one I would recommend Tigers Are Not Afraid. That's a really amazing film. Think it's very similar to Pan's Labyrinth in the, the sort of basic story format but it takes place in Mexico. It's it's like it's basically like an urban magical realism horror and it's really really good. So check that out. Tiger's also a woman director. I believe she's Latin American. I I haven't looked that up recently, but um yeah. I really hope we can talk about it at some point too. Yeah, that that's a good one. I definitely on my list of ones uh, I would really like to talk about. Fantastic. Uh Ben, what have you got to recommend? So, yeah, in terms of maybe another movie about relationships uh, kind of falling apart and how complicated and messy humans can be, uh, I'm going to recommend Blue Valentine. Uh, the Derek Cianfrance movie starring Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. It's a fun, not, a, not a fun movie, I would say. Uh, it's an incredibly, <laughs> de- incredibly depressing movie. Both of those actually very depressing recommendations. Uh, I'm, I'm going to finish that off the depressing this with uh, recommending also Beasts of the Southern Wild uh, which has a similar setting uh, to this one and is sort of a a little bit of a fantasy adventure thing in the uh, you know in the wilds and uh, has another sort of you know a young girl dealing with uh, seemingly supernatural stuff and very real family stuff at the same time um, and is again another rough watch. All of these are rough watches. Yes, but uh, you know, fitting to recommend next to Eve Bayou, which was again not an easy watch. Um, full of full of amazing actors and actresses, but uh, not not the easiest thing to watch. I think that just about wraps us up. Uh, <laughs> let people know where they can find you and your work online. Yeah, pretty oh, much anything you want to recommend or plug while you're here. Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, my Twitter is definitely Vita. Uh, I'm not there very much anymore. Um, but uh, my work, uh, I um, sequen- uh, sequential serialized story uh, in Batman Urban Legends. It starts with number 11 in the New York City subway system and what a hellhole that is. Uh, <laughs> and, I, uh, and I co-wrote. Oh, yeah, those are all available online. And they're all 
really, really awesome. I am absolutely loving uh, Static so much. Oh, thank you. For the rest of us, uh, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter or at Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Uh, ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and on their website at BenConComics.com, where you can pick up all their books, including the brand new Immortals Phoenix Rising graphic novel from Great Beginnings. And you can pre-order the upcoming Blows Against the Empire graphic novel. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 and my website at jeremywhitley.com, where you can check out everything I write. And of course, for the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Progressively Horrified. Uh, our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and on Twitter at proghorrorpod, where we'd love to hear from you if you have anything to say about Ease Bayou or any of the many other movies we've talked about so far or you want to hear us talk about in the future. And speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love if you would rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening to it now. Uh, the more great reviews we have, the more it helps us uh, reach new listeners. So that means a lot to us. So thanks for Davida for joining us and thank you so much, Ben and Emily, for uh doing doing this whole thing yet again. We of we course. made it through again. We did it. Always we did it. We did it. Another episode. Go hey. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh thank you for all of you for listening. Uh we hope you enjoyed the movie and we will see you next time. Until then, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Vida Ayala. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own, and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06, and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified.gmail.com.